Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back. Season's greetings. Merry Christmas. We're coming. We are deep into the season right now. I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but wow. I had to haul Linda off from her duties, rapping and writing and everything just to get her to jump on the radio show. And let, let us start off by saying thank you to BYU Radio and to James Finlayson, our great producer, just for making this so easy for us. We just record once a week, usually on Friday mornings, as you know, and the episodes are released on Saturday morning. And here it is, Linda, that 15th, we've got 10 days till Christmas. We have 10 days. Oh, I wish you wouldn't have said that. My heart (laughs) just leapt. (laughs) (laughs) You keep thinking that it's going to get easier as you get older, but man, as you have more people and more stuff, (laughs) I mean, you know, it's, this is just a day like many of you have during the holidays. That is just crazy. Um, I'm taking some music arrangements to a friend and picking up stands for um well Linda's in charge performance on Sunday and for the church and that is a big job. It is a big job, but also we have a a crazy thing with of our people that we're ministering one of our my sisters who I'm ministering to and everybody else is out of town, and so she has kidney stones. And so she's been in the hospital, and has two little kids, and she needs some help. Laugh. And it is it's just typical, but she needs some help, and they need some food. And uh, I'm helping with a birthday lunch uh, today, and honestly, it, the list just goes on and on and on. If any so, of you are feeling overwhelmed at Christmas, we should just have Linda just list her whole list of things to do, and you'd, you'd feel like, well, no. Wow. Things are not so bad here for me. You know, I I think it's going to be calm every year. But wow, we did have so much fun, though, last night with uh, some grandkids here and our grand and our daughter uh, decorating a tree. Um, We we have also a crazy tree. We have a kind of, well, not a house. We've been here for 12 years. We have a great room that's 25 feet high, and this tree doesn't quite come to the ceiling, but almost Honestly, we had kids up on ladders. I was up on a ladder for a while until I thought, wait. Yeah, we got the a, grandkids this here, would so be a you really wouldn't have to do bad that. way to, to die is by falling off of a Christmas tree. <laughs> but <laughs> it's so big that we had to actually throw some of the balls to the top. <laughs> yeah, we, we threw funny. some on and they just lodged up there. Anyway, we're we're excited today because we're going to talk to you. The title of today's show is The 10 Best Family Christmas Ideas from the Ayers. And I'm telling you, we've probably got about 25 ideas, but we're trying to winnow it down. <laughs> because we know, I mean, we, we've just done this for such a long time. We know how, how many parents... Well, in fact, we did a podcast with our four daughters. And by the way, if you haven't been initiated to or discovered in the arena with the Iyer sisters, you should be listening to it every week. They're fantastic. No prejudice at all. No prejudice at all. And we just talked to them (laughs) on their podcast about the dilemma of how you 
find a spiritual Christmas with young children, with families? How do you get away from the commercial craziness and the keeping up with the Joneses and the running around and all the stuff that goes on and the Santa Claus and the, the kids' excitement about getting rather than giving and on and on and on. And so that's kind of on our mind. And we thought, well, let's just do a little retrospective. And and Linda, I'm just going to ask you, we're going to go back and forth. What What do you think? Now, when we say a good idea for a family Christmas, we're talking about ideas that refocus our children and ourselves on service, on giving, and most importantly, on Christ. And that is no easy deal when we live in a world where Christmas is the commercial bonanza of the year and where we make ourselves so busy that we make ourselves crazy. So yeah. what what are the and, and these ideas may range from the sublime to the ridiculous. In fact, <laughs> I'm going to start it off, and then we're just going to just throw them out at random and, and see if any of the ideas of things we've done over the years or that our family's done are useful to you. Because, hey, there's still 10 more days till Christmas, and <laughs> you, you might want to revamp your whole life. Yes. <laughs> um, one of the one of the best ideas we ever had, and this is on the ridiculous side of the sublime to ridiculous. Every year, our kids would knock over the Christmas tree four or five times, and so one year I put a great big eye bolt or what are those things called with the loops and you screw I'm them in. in. Oh, eye bolt sounds I, good. I just cranked it into a beam in the ceiling, and we began to hang our Christmas tree from the top, and. It sat on the floor, but it couldn't be pushed over. You could be the kids could swing it a little bit if they tried, if they ran into it or whatever, but it couldn't fall over. That's that's idea number one. Although we can't <laughs> hang this one from the tree, I mean from the ceiling, we just can't reach the ceiling. But anyway, I would say my hang your Christmas tree. That's it, number hang one. your wisdom tree. Going from the ridiculous to the sublime, I would say music is the most moving thing you can experience during Christmas. We have had some beautiful, absolutely gorgeous music experiences this year. We just went to the big MCO choir, uh, Millennial Orchestra and Choir, which uh, six of our grandchildren are in it in Salt Lake, one in Arizona. There are four or five of them going all over the world. They're absolutely, these two brothers are doing this crazy, impossible thing brothers. of gathering thousands of people. So we went to a concert at Symphony Hall where our six grandkids were, and it was so fun spotting them because they fill up the balconies everywhere. In fact, there's more people in the audience than there are. I mean, more people in the in the choir than there are in the audience. An orchestra, huge orchestra. Well, to expand the music idea, I mean, if you have... If you play instruments in your family, nothing like playing Christmas carols together. We've been this year listening to a Pandora station uh, called Soft Christmas Jazz. <laughs> and it's calming everything down and putting us in the spirit. We go back and forth from that to sort of classical Christmas carols. And music and, well, and playing music, anything you can. So I'm uh, gonna wait. I have to. I have to add to that because my mother was a musician of the world, and every year we played music together and so on. And I, so I decided we were going to play music with some of our grandchildren and our daughter last night. 
And wow, we just had so much fun, but it it wasn't what my mom had in mind for really being <laughs> professional. It was, but it was really fun, fun really fun. So, so we're, we're, I've, I've arranged my ideas kind of from, you know, silly ones to, to more profound ones. So you're going to have to listen to the whole show to get to the profound ones. No, wait, music, my next music, one, is music is profound. Well, I said I've arranged mine, the not, best not music, yours. Yeah. But we have a tradition that's lasted now for 40 years of having Eggs Benedict on Christmas morning. And I just think that is everyone profound. looks forward. No, no, I'm still, I'm working toward <laughs> the profound. At oh, the end okay. of the show, I'm going to get to the profound. But Eggs Benedict, I mean, anything you do that becomes traditional and the kids won't ever let you change it because, hey, it's Christmas morning. We're having Christmas. And Linda learned how to make Eggs Benedict in, in mass, in, in cupcake tins so that we could feed everyone. And I'm just going to throw that one out there. So Eggs Benedict, hang the Christmas tree. You can say, see, I'm not. Oh, man, that means yet. i got to get up and make Eggs Benedict this year, even though we won't have any people here. But that's all right. We're going to go visit them afterwards at their Eggs Benedict. Okay. Anyway, okay. What about going singing on. on the stairs? You want to do that one? Oh, a long time ago, we just decided that our kids were going to get up and we would not let them come in the living room. We had a, li a little house and we hung a sheet up between their bedrooms and where the living room was, where all the fun Christmas things were. And so between they, the hallway and the and the living room. Right. Yeah. So they couldn't see in there. Couldn't see, but they have to sing Christmas carols before they could open their. Presents. They had to sit on the stairs that came up from where their bedrooms were and sing Christmas carols. And they couldn't start until what was it? 6 a.m. or was it seven? Oh, no, not seven. It was six. six. Yeah. Oh, and that was the other thing is we brought Santa brought their stockings down to their rooms. This was all in an effort to, the, the, these ideas were all to try to prevent Christmas from starting at 4 a.m., which is when they <laughs> used to wake up. So, number one, the, crisp, the, the stockings were delivered, hung on their bedposts this is to a, occupy them for a while. This is a British tradition. This is the way they do it. That's right. Always open their stockings and at then, their beds. And then it's starting at whatever hour you choose. I think in our case, it was like six. Then they could sing on the stairs, just sit on those stairs, sing Christmas carols. And wake until us up. Until we finally woke up. And sometimes that was a half hour or 45 minutes they they were they were searching the bottom of the barrel for one more christmas carol they knew so they could keep singing in hopes that we would finally wake up singing carols on the stairs oh that was fun those were the days boy we have progressed along i don't know what's progressed or regressed now because those were such fun mornings at our house uh, every year the excitement of the year i do have to say one disaster though Okay. All right. So this is the the disaster of my life that I still can't believe happened. We have one son that got attached to this little guy who was working by on battery and he had a little broom and he would sweep with this little broom and he loved it more than our other daughter loved baby alive. So I went and got this little thing that he could sweep with. And isn't it funny because this is Jonah who still <laughs> is the sweeper of the world. He is the cleaner. He just is amazing. Anyway, I totally so forgot this. Christmas Eve, I went out to get it out in the garage because I'd wrapped it up in a plastic bag and um, I went to get it and I couldn't find it. And I went through everything, everything, everything. 
two hours later, I realized that somebody had put it in the garbage. I don't know when, because I'd bought it a long time ago. Somebody had put it in the garbage. It was his present from Santa. I will never recover from that morning. And neither will I. (laughs) I think that was when he figured out that maybe just didn't drop off Santa's sleigh. But anyway, um, I still have a pit in my stomach when I think about that. So (laughs) there are uh, hard things, too, about Christmas. Another idea that we that we finally took years to try to get it to work, but you know, instead of the mad rush of everyone grabbing presents and opening them all at once on Christmas morning, the idea of they come in and they see their one Santa thing that's unwrapped, but then for the rest of the day to prolong it out one present at a time and everyone watching that one person open it and slowing things down and having some quiet, <laughs> quiet music that's got a calmness going. Laughing about well, this because you totally forgot right. it was not calm. Everybody was so excited. It was like, "Hey, look what I got! Hey, look what I got!" I mean, we were crazy in those days. We let our kids make a list, and gosh, I felt like I had to just fill the list. But talking about days. after the mad rush, trying to get calm, and what about cutting down our own tree? <laughs> Remember those years in England when we'd go out and cut our own tree down and we wanted to make it a tradition but it got harder and harder to find (laughs) trees one time we cut one down up in the mountains of park city one time my brother shot a tree down with his gun by shooting the trunk over and over and over but let's get to the really good ideas linda we're just we're throwing out all the goofy ones um Stay with us for a little brief break, and then we're going to talk about a Jerusalem supper, about how to get the emphasis more on giving and on serving, about reading Christmas stories under the Christmas tree with only the lights from the tree, about going on humanitarian expeditions. We're going to get into some that we think are really, well, I was going to say profound, but at least they're not ridiculous like some of the ones we've mentioned so far right so hang on and we'll be right back after this break welcome back to Ayers on the road here's richard and linda Iyer. and we're back talking about christmas from the crazy to the sublime <clears throat> I want to talk about this Jerusalem because we, and in fact, let me set the stage for all these remaining ideas. Early on with our lots of little kids, we were, we were just constantly discussing this dilemma. How do we refocus Christmas on Christ? How do we refocus Christmas on giving? How do we get away from all the getting and the commercialism and the lists and the Santa Claus and and so on. And, and at first, I think we made a big mistake because we we wanted to sort of eliminate all that commercialism and Santa and the getting and the excitement. And, and we soon, soon realized it was impossible. And it was like fighting a completely unwinnable war. And so as we talk about this, you'll notice that these remaining ideas are all centered on how do you separate the two? How do you let kids have the imaginative, fun, Santa commercial, I want this, here's my list, here's what I get, here's what I want. 
and enjoy it, but at the same time separate it from the true meaning of Christmas of focusing on Jesus and focusing on giving and focusing on serving. And all these ideas for the second half of the show are are different efforts that we tried with varying degrees of success that caught on and became part of our family traditions on how to be sure that the real emphasis of the Savior and of the true meaning of Christmas was separate, not only separate in in concept, but, but happened at a totally separate time from the Santa Claus part. And I think one of the best things that happened was the Jerusalem Supper, which we realized years later we should have been calling the Nazareth Supper. Supper. Right, because we... Um... It's about having dinner with Mary and Joseph before they take off for Bethlehem. But it's Jerusalem. We decided to have food that would be typical of Jerusalem. That's how we got to that name. But but we uh, it, it maybe this doesn't work for wouldn't work for everybody. But I knew I know some that it does work for, and that is um, we decided that we were going to pretend like we were the family of Mary and we were inviting guests for the last dinner to send them off to send their, them off on their trip back to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. And we knew that Mary would probably have the baby during that trip. And so we're sitting around a table where it's Christmas Eve. We're, we're dressed in, in our headdresses and our robes and our bathrobes and our, and everyone gets to choose the character they want to be. And and someone would get to be Mary and someone would get to be Joseph. But there were shepherds and there were neighbors and there were cousins and there were camel salesmen. And there were, I mean, the kids would come oh, up with yeah. the craziest thing who they house, wanted to be. Sadie's continued this now really beautifully at her house. So they are very creative. They had a trader who had come to, uh, gone to Herod's house and learned it, he was getting really he was violent. Getting, getting yeah. violent, and but but the kids, fairly young kids, I think as young as, well, they'd all participate. But by the time they were even six or seven, they really got into the imagination. We are really in. We are two thousand years ago now, and we're having this dinner. And Mary leaves in the morning. And Joseph, do you know how far it is? It's nearly a hundred miles. Do you think you'll be okay? How's the donkey? Have you got food? Have you got, and just, you know, really try to be serious and, and have the atmosphere, no lights, just candles on the table, only food that they could have eaten then of fish and figs and dates and hummus and so on. Well, and the kids have gone beyond us on that by far, because they all of them have spent some time in the Holy Land. So they do some real stuff. I mean, falafel. And things I don't know if they had falafel in that day either, but um, but it really is amazing how they've taken it and become creative in their own ways. And this became part of this larger effort on our part of saying, "All right, Christmas Eve is just about Jesus. It's just about the real meaning of Christmas. It's just about giving. It's not about getting." And we started off with this Jerusalem supper, and it would sometimes last over an hour, sometimes longer as the kids got older. And as 
as we really tried to imagine being 2,000 years ago and thinking about Jesus and about the shepherds and about the true scene and, and followed by a giving time where all the emphasis was on who was giving, where each child had a turn to give his or her gifts. Now, this is after dinner. This is after the after Jerusalem dinner. Supper, and now we're back to being ourselves, and we're sitting. We even had a second Christmas tree in a different part of the house so that that tree and that setting was about giving. And and we, we went through a lot of iterations on that, didn't we? Sometimes kids would make gifts for each other. Yeah. Sometimes when they were really young, they'd go to the dollar store and buy I think you got a potato peeler every year. I think <laughs> I think that we were crazy when we did that. We had, well, the babies obviously didn't buy gifts, but we had eight kids, seven or eight kids that were by each buying gifts for the other ones, which is crazy. But, you know, and it does create a lot of mess, but it's just a memory that changed and so on. And we're, we're, we're not trying to make you think we want you to change your change what you're, you're doing now you obviously right. have everything i mean set but we can all modify but and... yeah and if you gather at the grandparents house on christmas eve every year go for it but do that another day and it really is so fun to just think about how can we gear this more to jesus than to santa yeah good point Linda. We're, we're not we're not saying our way is the only way to do it but we are suggesting that you we are suggesting our experience leads us to believe you have to have a separate time and even if possible, a separate place where it's all about Jesus and there's nothing about the commercial side of Christmas and the real focus is on Christ and on giving. And I remember those times so well when one of the kids, okay, it's your turn, Sadie, now to give your gifts and, and you know, whatever those little things were, the focus is on Sadie. Sadie, how did you, that's such a sensitive thing that you found that or thought of that for Josh, or that's so great that you made that for, for Shawnee and so on. And just all the focus on that child doing the giving. And this is again, after this Jerusalem supper where our minds have been focused on, on the greatest gift and, and on Christ. And also that night or that time or that period, that separate time, in our case, Christmas Eve, would be the time to, to do our sub for Santa or to to bring a gift to someone else. And, and I remember the times while we lived in England, going to an orphanage every Christmas and our kids giving their gifts to these orphans and just what a beautiful thing i remember once when shawnee gave away her her, her favorite doll, doll her yeah. favorite doll and, and and cried all the way partly because she hated to give it up but more because she saw the joy in that little girl's eyes yeah i'm not sure which was more but anyway um I do say that I do have to say that at one point we just got so with all those kids, we got so, I got so tired of Christmas. I remember standing in a line, a long line to get a baby alive. When the days when there's this doll that you could put stuff in its mouth and it would actually move its mouth and act like it was eating. And I think there was a diaper and it came through <laughs> and it was the rage that your baby life. And I stood in line for a long time and I got up to just 
the last person before me and the and they announced this is the last baby alive and i almost i think i cried i was like how am i going <laughs> to tell shawnee that baby alive is dead oh my gosh i mean it was just crazy trying to fill those lists and we we just decided uh uh-uh, no more we're not, we're not one christmas we're taking a break we are going to go do a humanitarian trip in bolivia <laughs> and and we got this in our minds and we had it all organized and and talked to everybody and figured we can do this and then we got the kids down in a family meeting and told them that and they they were really excited and he said but except there's a little glitch nobody's getting christmas presents this is your christmas present we are not getting christmas presents we're going to use the money of normal christmas and put it into the flight tickets to get to Bolivia to perform this service for 10 days on the Altiplano, which is 14,000 square feet. Higher than the Campanogas. We hope we don't all get altitude sickness, but we're going to build an irrigation system for this village. (laughs) Which sounds really complicated, but it was just a matter of there were ditches. We had to drive, we had to dig ditches with picks and shovels for PVC pipe so that they could get the water from up on the hill down to this village that had never had water. And you know, that was an amazing um, Christmas and it really did come from just wanting to escape the craziness of Christmas. And I think when we voted, one or two of the kids were a little on the hesitant side. Oh, especially our baby charity. Yeah. I don't know if I want to give up Christmas to do this, but the adventure of getting of flying to to South America and and doing this expedition kind of overcame her and everyone went for it and I will say that was a turning point because from then on it was a reference point to say you know remember the Christmas that all we did was help the people in that village that was real Christmas and can we come close to that here just through what we do here and doing a sub for Santa and finding some people with real needs. I mean, we've been over backwards to make it memorable. We, we, we were picked up to go to the airport in a big white limo with a, with a guy dressed as, as an elf driving us to the airport. And then we said, then we waved goodbye to all that elf and Christmas. We were off to do this service and, that was really a turning point. Oh, us. it was so amazing to see the kids. I mean, the villagers were astonishing. I just can close my eyes and just put myself right back in that village. And I think they can too, because it was so poignant for them. Um, we kind of got it in our blood and we we realized that it was about the same price as it was to that, go to no, Disney. We actually count well, we actually calculated that that Christmas cost is roughly the same as a normal Christmas where we're buying gifts for all these kids. And because the only expense was the airfare because, you know, the, they provided the, the humanitarian organization, right. you know, we slept on the ground. We slept on the floor of the school. The school no, was, they, where it was intense. That was in Bulgaria where someone we slept. No, on that was, that was in Bulgaria. I mean, uh, that was a, anyway, sorry, we don't want to have an argument, but anyway, it did not cost us anything at all, uh, to stay once we got there, but, um, it was just pretty incredible. We did have a fund 
for this that we've been working on for a, a while, but uh, not that we think you could take off and do that, but it was really meaningful for our kids. I think they'll never forget it. So the bottom line is we're going to challenge you to maybe not change. You don't want to change family traditions because they're important and you want to preserve them. <laughs> Excuse me. But if you can modify them to the degree that you have a special time, maybe Christmas Eve, when it's all about giving, all about Christ, all about serving, all about humanitarian work, all about the real meaning of Christmas, we can tell you and promise you from experience that's thing your kids will remember most and if you really are feeling burned out right at this time as you're listening and maybe you don't have time to listen to this until the new year or if you do it all but don't i mean you know you can't do this right now but if you're thinking about the future if you're on burnout or if you feel like you need something more meaningful for christmas we're just hoping we can drop a couple ideas which you will take and make your own and make better so, and if nothing else, tie the Christmas tree to the roof and the kids won't knock it over. Not the roof, the <laughs> ceiling. That would, look, that would look funny. Anyway, we want you to, to thank you for listening. You are wonderful listeners. Every once in a while, we run into somebody that's actually out there. We're just talking to a computer, but we really do appreciate you and wish we could have you on with us because you would have another hundred ideas that we could share. So join us next week for one more discussion of some Christmas things before Christmas comes. And then we'll be doing one more episode at New Year's. And that will complete, Linda, believe it or not, our 13th season, our 13th year of roughly 50 podcasts a year on Ours on the Road. And, and then we will start season number 14. It's pretty amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you. Have a great week. Good luck surviving. Uh, until next time, we'll see you next time on Hires on the Road. Bye till then. Bye.